Hey friends, and welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a photographer and educator on a mission to help you find your passion, power, and purpose through entrepreneurship. So let's jump right into today's episode because this girl means business. Hey there, welcome to episode 137 of the Girl Means Business podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Jessica Morrison, who is an SEO expert for small businesses. She helps business owners get greater online visibility and higher search engine rankings with their local market. She's over 20 years of experience working with multi-million dollar companies in marketing, business development, sales, and influencer marketing. And guys, this conversation is a goldmine of information today. If you're not familiar with SEO, it stands for Search Engine Optimization and basically means how easily do you get found when someone in your area does a keyword search on Google. For example, if you are a florist in San Diego, California, and someone does a search for florists in my area who live in San Diego, you want to come up on the first page of Google. That's the ideal situation, maybe even the second page. But how do you make that happen? This tends to be kind of the magic question. And I want to give a little asterisk here and talk very briefly about the companies who will message you or email you and say, hey, hire us and we'll get you on the first page of Google. I personally do not recommend using those services. I know that it can be tempting, especially if you're really frustrated with your lack of progress with SEO. However, I like to compare it to the idea of buying followers on social media. You know, you get those messages all the time. They're like, guaranteed 100,000 new followers. It sounds too good to be true. It probably is too good to be true. Now, I personally do SEO mentoring. So I will coach other business owners on how to utilize certain resources and put in best practices to boost their SEO I have done some kind of done-for-you SEO work for other photographers, other business owners. And to me, that's a little different because it's not me saying, hey, pay me a bunch of money. I'm going to go behind the scenes and do some shady stuff. And then you're going to end up on the first page of Google for maybe a short period of time. I am teaching you how to do this yourself so that you can then go in after I've done the groundwork for you and continue the efforts going forward. That's the difference, in my opinion, of hiring someone that will coach you through the process of doing it versus hiring one of those companies that can, quote unquote, guarantee you to be on the first page of Google. I just don't think that's a guarantee that they can really follow through with all the time. So just be cautious of working with those companies. I think you will learn a ton of great tips and tools in today's episode that will help you feel confident in growing your SEO organically without the need to pay a lot of money to have it done. All right. There's so much information in this episode. I cannot wait for you to dive in. So let's get to my conversation with Jessica Morrison. All right, guys, I'm here with Jessica Morrison and we're talking all about SEO today. I'm so excited to dive into this topic. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. How are you today? I am doing well, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay, so before we get into this exciting world of SEO, which I know can be a little overwhelming, we're going to simplify it down today. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got into this topic in this business. 
Well, I jokingly refer to my career path as less than linear since it was once described that way. And I thought it was actually really funny because I went to a liberal arts college and like a lot of people, you don't really know what you want to be when you grow up. At least I didn't after I got out of college. So I had to try some different things. I moved to New York City, thought I wanted to go to law school. So I worked as a corporate paralegal and I quickly crossed that off my list and decided to just up and move to California. So I moved to San Diego and actually got into working in the biopharmaceutical industry there in business development and later worked in Pfizer. For I did sales for Pfizer. And when I had my family, I sort of decided that wasn't for me anymore. And I was ready to do something different. And I got into starting a blog. And this was 10 plus years ago, back when it's a lot different than it is now. But I loved it and really taught myself how to do WordPress web design. And then later specialized in SEO because I found that a lot of the small business and local business clients I work with really needed help in that area. And they got pitched by a lot of companies that were trying to give them a one size fits all that really didn't apply to them. So I definitely saw a need there and I still cherry pick some WordPress website design projects, but really my mission is to demystify SEO for small business owners and really show them how they can start using it. So instead of being scared of it, they can really take advantage of what I think is a huge opportunity for small business. Oh, that's so good. And I love, I was writing down what you said, less than linear. That like, I think that describes most people's journey into entrepreneurship because I don't know anybody that from a young age was like, I want to be a business owner. I want to do this. You know, we've all kind of taken this less than linear path. Yeah. So I may have to borrow that from you in the future because I love that line. Um, and yeah, you definitely have taken a less than linear path to get to where you are. <laughs> but um, I think that's awesome. And I love, you know, that you have found something that you're passionate about. And helping other people. Um, so I was going to quickly kind of tell you my SEO journey and why I feel like it is such a powerful and often overlooked tool in business. So aside from what I do now, I'm also, I have a photography business and several years ago, oh gosh, maybe even like six or seven years ago now, um, I did this random photo shoot for a really sweet couple that I had done their wedding photos and it was this cute little baby announcement. So she hadn't told her husband she was pregnant. She told him in the middle of the photo shoot, I captured the whole reaction. It was super cute. I blogged about it because that was, again, back when like blogging was something you did. Like you just, you just you blog your sessions, you blog whatever, like the blogging was huge. And so I created a blog post, didn't really think twice about it, posted it. And most of my blog posts, I was like, oh, the family will look at it. They'll maybe share it and get some Facebook views. No big deal. My average views were maybe for sessions like that, like around 100 to 200 views. I woke up the next morning to like 14,000 views. Wow. And I was like, oh, like, that's going to be a mistake. Something's not right here. And come to find out over the next four days, it went crazy viral. It was, I was interviewed on the news. It was shared on all kinds of news outlets and websites. And it still like gets so many Pinterest hits and, um, and dings all the time. Like it kind of went crazy. And I, my first thought was, okay, this is going to be what like makes my business. Like this is going to take, make everything take off. And it, it didn't, it didn't. Like I, I did get a lot of traffic and I was getting more visibility, but I wasn't really getting more clients from it necessarily. However, it showed me the impact that just putting content on the internet can do for your business. 
And so from there, I continued to constantly like really focus on, okay, what am I putting out there? How is it going to get in front of the right people? And to this day, I, 95% of my clients find me on Google because my photography business shows up on the first page of Google. And now it didn't happen overnight. And it's taken the last five or six years to really solidify that. But that one experience kind of opened the door for me to be like, oh, okay, this SEO thing, it really has some power Uh (laughs) and I need to be utilizing it. Um, But at the time I didn't understand, like this was all foreign language to me. So I know a lot of people listening probably feel the same way. They hear SEO and they immediately kind of cringe a little bit thinking like, oh, that's something that I don't have time for. I don't have, you know, the capacity to really learn and understand. So I'm, I'm excited for you to kind of help break it down for us so that it can be a little less overwhelming, a little less scary for people. Um, so let's start with just kind of explain what SEO is and how it can benefit your business. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And when I refer to search engines for all intents and purposes, I'm going to say Google because it's really the largest one out there. So what it is, it's basically working on your content that you put on your website to make it show up higher on Google. So the goal is always to be ideally on the first page, ideally in the first three on the first page, because we all know how we search on Google and generally, unless we're really interested in a topic, we're not going to like pass page two probably. So there are things you can do that can help your business show up higher, both locally and then in national searches. And that's sort of the whole process of SEO. And there's over 200 different ranking factors. So it is like a really robust thing that Google uses. So, and nobody knows exactly what their algorithm is because they keep it very secret. But what they've done lately, and I think this is where it really benefits small business owners and new businesses, is that it's all about the user experience. And most of us get into business, we're into customer satisfaction, giving our customers what they're looking for. And Google wants to do the same thing when somebody's searching for a topic. So it used to be that when people could stuff keywords in there, and and we've probably all come across an article where it's so artificially written, (laughs) like these people just jammed as many keywords as they could in there. But that doesn't fly anymore on Google. They're really starting to look at, are people finding what they need? Are they being, are they able to navigate your site easily? Is it loading quickly? Are they having a good user experience? So there's definitely things you can do on that end that don't require you to have in-depth knowledge of all these different terms. And I think you're right that people get scared of it because they don't understand how it works or what it can do. And I think that's always what my mission is to kind of really simplify it and say, hey, you know, you may not be hiring an agency to do all this work, but there's things you can do on your own, really simple things. And just start somewhere because it is a long game you know, starting is the most important part is getting stuff out there, doing it in the right way. And it will continue to bring dividends to you as you've seen. It's a long game, but it's a really, really valuable long game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, 
but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. Yeah. Okay. So I, there's a couple things that you said that I want to go into a little more. And one is um, you mentioned like agencies and I know I've received emails like this before where it's like, Hey, we can help you get on the first page of Google and all these kinds of things. Um, are those types, obviously not all of them are going to be helpful, but for someone who is, you know, like, I really want to get more visibility, but I don't, you know, I'm looking to maybe hire this out to somebody are those legitimate places to try to find SEO help or should people ultimately just do it on their own? I would be very wary. And actually I've screenshotted some of these because they show up in my own social media feeds. They're like, Hey, for $29 a month, we can get you, you know, within one week on the first page of Google. I would be really careful with that because <laughs> A, it's not likely to happen. And B, the way that they're doing it is probably not a way that Google approves of. And the worst part for small business owners and being someone who's a small local business owner is you can get in big trouble with your site. And guess what? That's your website, not theirs. So you don't want to jeopardize your online reputation by doing a get rich quick theme when it comes to SEO. <laughs> you know, I think there's definitely ways you can work with, with things you can do on your own, but also I would encourage people if they are going to work with an agency to look local as much as possible so that they can find a relationship they might have with somebody or have some references that they can look at results because the best part about SEO is we can look at results for everything and we can look at numbers and figure out what's working and knowing that that's going to take about three, if it's a brand new site, it'll take three to six months for you to see results. If you have an existing site that's well-established, it can be about three months. But I would really vet them very well because if it sounds too good to be true, like most things in life, it usually is. And you don't want to mess around when it comes to your business website. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a good rule of thumb is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is because getting on the first page of Google in a week is not going to happen in a you know, legitimate way at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other thing you mentioned was the keyword stuffing. It was funny you say this because just yesterday I was looking at different websites. I'm helping a, one of my uh, business coaching clients with their website. And I was kind of looking at some other websites similar to hers for um, some ideas. And I came across this one. And I mean, her content on her website was stuffed with so many keywords. It was almost difficult to read. And you could tell so quickly that she was really trying to get in, you know, those keywords of like, okay, I'm at this location. I do this, Uh, you know, and like almost every line had those, those things in it. And it was, it was frustrating. I don't know if this is what someone just visiting her website would even notice it as opposed to someone like me who, you know, is aware of these things, but are there ways, because I know keywords are really important. Like we need to have those in there. And so how do you utilize keywords without it feeling forced, but still have them in there in a way 
like, and I, I don't mean meaning like in blog content, but just even like on a homepage or an about page or an information page. Yeah, you, you want to use them, but you don't want to overuse them because you actually get penalized for overusing them. So I always tell my clients that once they, they're done creating that piece of content, read it aloud and read it back to yourself or give it to someone else who like does, has never even seen your website and ask them to read it because it should sound natural. And there are a ton of different ways besides just blog posts that you can use those keywords and you can use them in your site title. You can use them, you know, if you haven't named your business yet, think about keywords and think what, I always think, what are people going to put into Google when they're going to find me? How would they find me? Because that's what people are doing is using long tail keywords, which are like questions or if you're local, you know, how could you work in your local regional, you know, where you're, the region you're in, into your name, your titles, your headings, um, just in the content itself. And you can use variations of those keywords too. It doesn't have to be verbatim, you know, people get caught up sometimes that it has to match exactly. It can be a variation on that keyword. The most important thing is that it flows naturally. What you're doing is it's relevant. So that's the other thing is people will pick keywords that aren't necessarily relevant to the content that they're writing about just because they want to rank for that. It should be a natural inclusion of those words and it should sound like something that somebody would read. Because ultimately, if they read it and it doesn't resonate with them and like you had that experience, you're going to leave and you're not leaving with a great you know, a great impression of that company. What that would say to me if I was reading it is, gosh, I can't even find what I'm looking for. I don't understand what this person's trying to tell me. Like, see ya, I'm on to the next photographer or whatever business it was. So there's a lot of different places to use them, but use them judiciously and don't overuse them just for the sake of using them because that can defeat the purpose of what you're doing, which is making your customer find their information and be happy with your website. Yeah. Well, another thing that I've learned too, and I'm trying to work on being better, and this is a lot coming from the photography world, is using the language that your clients use as well. Because, you know, when you work for an industry, like I'll use photography as an example, I've seen a lot of like health professionals use these things too, where they use very clinical terms. Um, A perfect example is like, I do some high school senior portraits and I will use, like I used to use the words portraits and photo shoot, and they're using the word pictures, not photos, not portraits, sometimes photos, but not portraits, not session. They're calling it a you know photo shoot or things like that. And so even just switching up some of the words to match what your clients are using and not what you would use, that has been a big help as well, I think. That is such a great point. And that's when you know your audience really well. And that's the importance of really knowing your target audience and doing some market research to find out the terms that they use. And this is where I say that local businesses can have a a big advantage too, is use those local terms when you're writing about stuff. So, you know, if you live in a region where they refer to soda, (laughs) let's use a little really simple example of soda or pop, use the right one and use things that are local lingo. Like we have things on the Cape that, you know, when you say down Cape or, or certain terms, that's how people around you are looking and Googling stuff. So if that's the people you're going after, use the words they would use to describe their problem or what they're looking for. And if we put ourselves in our customer's shoes, I think just picture yourself at the keyboard, like I said, and what what would you Google? How, what do you think people are Googling to find you? Because those are those, what we call long tail keywords, which are more than one word. A lot of Googling now is questions. It's like, or where do I find or such and such near me? So think in terms of that, like it's never bad to have that top of mind when you're writing content, because you can really think about how you would naturally write that. that Yeah. And the location thing's a good point. Cause that's true. Like 
you got to think too, like what, yeah, what location is your ideal client putting in? Like you mentioned the, the down Cape or like here in the mm-hmm. Dallas Fort Worth area, like we, everybody refers to things as DFW, not necessarily Dallas Fort Worth. And so mm-hmm. having that mix of like your locations, or if you have certain, you know, suburbs or, you know, abbreviations like SoCal or things like that, like make sure you're utilizing those as well. Exactly. That is just yeah. a huge way that you can set your part, yourself apart from the rest of the competition. And this also happens when people, I mean, another benefit of working with someone who knows your market and is around you is they're going to know that already. Whereas sometimes when you hire some of these really large companies that don't work in your area, they aren't going to know that necessarily. So that's the benefit of kind of yeah. having things that are hyper-local. Yeah. And I think too, if you are able to include that more casual or the language your audience is using anyway in your content, it's going to be make you more relatable to your audience as well. Mm-hmm. It helps the like, know, and trust factor for sure. And that's the ultimate goal is, you know, how can we develop that sort of relationship? Because it is different than doing it in person. When we're doing it online, we want them to see themselves in our online content. And that's a great way of doing it. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about some of the mistakes that you see people making, because we could talk all day about like what you should be doing but let's kind of go over some of the things that maybe people are misconceptions or things they think they're doing right that maybe they're not so that we can avoid those mistakes and then focus on the things we should be doing. Number one is not putting Google Analytics tracking code in their website, because I think a lot of people, you want to make sure that goes on your site as soon as it launches. And it's a free tool that Google has called Google Analytics If you don't feel comfortable putting the code into your site, you can have your web developer, whoever designed your website, do it. But the reason I say to do it right away is even if you're not ready to dive into SEO from the beginning, you want to have the data since you launched your site to be able to look at who is visiting your site, what is working on your site, and what is not. And that data and free market research they give you is so powerful moving forward to kind of benchmark how you're doing. Because like I said, it takes three to six months if it's a brand new site, three months if it's um, an established site, to really look at that data and say, hey, is this working? Are these posts that I'm writing with these keywords? You know, and you can always change things. You're not tied to them. So if they're not working at all, then you need to change something up. But you know, because you've got that code in there. So definitely, I think the biggest mistake is not putting the code in there and not doing something from the beginning. So You don't have to go all the way into SEO, but for example, a Google My Business page, if you have a business that has a physical location, that should be the first thing that you set up. And you you don't wait on that because Google rewards people who use their tools. And Google My Business is such a fabulous way to really skyrocket yourself locally if you use it. And don't just set it and forget it. That's the other thing. People just say, well, I, I did my Google My Business profile. That's great, but you want to use it. You don't have to post on it weekly, but like, for example, going back to the photographer, if you have some outtakes from a shoot, share those. You can share pictures. Like you have high dollar real estate they're going to give you from Google My Business, which is on the whole right-hand sidebar or in the three pack. If you show up as one of the three places underneath on a map, you really want to draw those people in and they're giving you a great chance to do that. So that's something that you don't even have to have SEO knowledge to do is to be able to go in there. There, There's a ton of tutorials to set that up and show you how to post, to post an offer, if you have an introductory offer or something. But I think starting early in some way, shape or form, you know, I, as much as it can seem overwhelming, there's very simple things you can do. So just do something because it's going to make a difference over time. Yeah. I love the Google, my business is awesome. And the analytics, like I know the analytics can seem a little intimidating, but like you said, just even if you pay attention to 
the very basics, it'll help you understand your SEO. And I, I thought of something when you were talking too about, you know, when you, we all use the Google search feature. And so if you are searching for something in your area, take, like, pay attention to what comes up and how it shows up on your search. And, you know, even like what keywords you're putting in, what, you know, are you, how do you use Google? Do you skip down to like the second or third page? Do you skip over the paid ad section? Do you not? Do you look for those Google My Business, like little sidebars? Because I think paying attention to your own way that you use Google and use search engines can help you better understand like what is it your clients are going to be utilizing as well. Yeah. Take a look at what jumps out. I mean, here's where you can change things in SEO. Like you have the ability to change the titles on things and the descriptions that show up on Google. So what draws you in? Like, it's sort of like a little ad, like a classified ad. And the goal there is to draw people in and make them click through because that's what helps you. It's one metric that helps you on SEO is the click-through rate. And that's information that you can also get for free through Google's tools. They have Google search console that will tell you, um, what terms you're currently ranking for, what your click-through rate is for those terms. It can tell you what your traffic looks like on mobile versus desktop, which is a lot of one thing people don't often look at. And that can depend on what industry you're in. So if I had a restaurant, for example, I'm probably gonna have the majority of my customers are, are likely mobile users because they're looking, you know, they're in bed looking up something or they're out looking for a place to eat or maybe they're ordering takeout. So I want to really look at how my site and how my SEO is performing on a mobile device because that may be more important to me than a desktop. So Google, the nice thing about Google is they do give you a lot of tools you can use as a small business owner that are free of charge that can really give you a lot of valuable insight into who's visiting yeah. your site and what they're doing. Oh, I love it. And I, like, I'm not a huge like data person. Like that's something I've had to learn how to really dive into, but I once you know how it works and you kind of know what to look for, it's really kind of addicting to get in there and and see what what's working and what's not working and how you can like tweak things and see improvements and stuff. It's really fun. Um, so, what other mistakes are you seeing people make? Because you mentioned the not using Google Analytics. What else do you have for us? Too many keywords, trying to focus on too many different things, um, and putting the same. <laughs> This is actually an even more important one is you want to use your keywords, but you don't want to use the same focus keyword on a ton of different content because then your pages are going to be competing against one another. So this is where I was saying that you can use variations on things or don't use the same exact keyword and use that as your focus keyword for like every page on your website. Because the goal is you want to have, I like to think of SEO as like a circle in the center And then you have little clusters, like kind of if you think a diagram with like little balloons coming off that are different areas that you might want to rank for. So you want to change things up and not just pick one keyword and use that everywhere because you'll just be fighting against yourself. But also long tail keywords, which I mentioned earlier, it's very hard to be a small fish in a big pond. So let's say I was, I put, you know, portrait photographer as my keyword. Well, I'm competing against everybody in the United States for that term. And that's going to be hard because I can pretty much guarantee you that there are people who have a really well-established website who rank really high for that. And you'll likely never get on the first page. But if you are in a certain area and you can start doing portrait photographer, um, on Cape Cod and the islands or something, when we start to really use long tail keywords, making two or more words or like a question, we're going to make ourselves be a bigger 
fish in a smaller pond and it's a lot easier to get ranking there, which in turn helps your ranking overall, but you want to make your fish pool kind of as small as you can because it's going to be a lot harder for you to, to rank there. And people will find your other content when you show up higher. It's not like they're just going to only see that page. Usually they will hopefully visit your site and that ranking that in turn helps other pages on your website. But don't, you know, don't choose one really popular word. Look for something that might be lower volume. And like there's tools, I don't want to overwhelm people, but there's tools that you can use that help you find the right keywords. So it's something that people can help you with too. You don't have to just sort of come up with them on your own. Yeah. And I've even like, I mean, I've used the Google keyword Mm -hmm. or uh, the keyword tool that they have available, but also just going into my Google search and type like, you know, it kind of gives you suggestions of what you might be searching for. And so I will start off like putting in like DFW, you know, portrait photographer or or portrait and see what comes up or even just like typing in different like one word pieces and see what Google gives me as a suggestion. Um, But yeah, like it's kind of, I think of it sort of like using hashtags on social media. It's all about finding just the right ones that are not too big, but not too small that are kind of those Goldilocks version (laughs) keywords. Um, and again, it's, it's a lot of it can also be, I guess, trial and error because you're trying to figure out, you know, what's going to work and what's not going to work. And Pinterest, if you like, Pinterest is another great way to do that because Pinterest has an auto suggest feature and Pinterest is, you know, people in the beginning thought of Pinterest as this social media platform, but it's really a search engine and it's a really powerful search engine. So it'll auto suggest, or you can look at tiles and things that based on, it's basically telling you (laughs) other people who are searching for this also wanted to see this. So this, like you were just saying with Google's auto suggest, those are two really free, easy ways that you can find keywords that people are like likely looking for. Um, And you can also do your own informal research. You know, I mean, you can ask people that maybe don't know anything about what you do. Hey, if you had to look for this, what would you put into Google and ask them how they would search for it? But you can, there's a lot of ways that you don't have to you know, sign up for complicated software subscriptions and things to tell you. Sometimes I feel like those can be really intimidating for small business owners because they almost give you too much information. <laughs> like you don't need all <laughs> of that. You just need to start somewhere and you need to get the plan in motion. So I would suggest, yeah, yeah Google's auto suggest or Pinterest and things like that. Interesting. Okay. So this is kind of going a little on a sidebar, but as far as Google or uh, search engine rankings, SEO, does your social media content help your SEO at all as yeah. far as like your searchability? Here's what it does. It sends social signals. It works in two different ways. So social signals, when people like comment, reshare your social media stuff, what that does is basically it's sending a signal that other people are finding what you're doing valuable and responding to it, which search engines do look at that and think, Hey, there's probably something there because it's true. If something goes viral, chances are you're going to get some, it's popular enough and people found it interesting or valuable enough that it'll probably end up ranking higher as well. But the one thing that is important about the social media platforms too, especially for new businesses is you want to claim your profiles on those major ones, because when you have a brand new website, you aren't going to rank, you may not even rank first for your business name in the beginning. But if you have a Facebook page for your business, chances are Facebook has what we call link juice, which is kind of their domain authority. They're ranking. They have all this. It's a huge site with a lot of authority. So your site, your page is going to rank probably higher than your own website. So you don't want to miss out on claiming those profiles for your business because in the beginning, they'll help you actually show up. 
But I would say social signals, it's not the most important part of SEO, but it is one of those factors that kind of indirectly influences it. So definitely it's something that you want to use, but but not go down the rabbit hole of trying to show up everywhere and putting stuff everywhere. Because I think that almost takes your attention away from what the main point is. So try to pick, if you're a new business owner, pick one or two platforms where your people hang out and focus your energy on there. Because if you have an older demographic, they're not on TikTok. So don't worry about it. Like people say, (laughs) I feel like I need to be here. Do you? Are your people there? Because really you want to go where your people are, where they're going to be sharing, creating good, valuable content that they're going to reshare, which is applicable to SEO also. The more high quality content that answers questions for people, the better off you're going to be and the higher your ranking is going to be. Yeah. And the Facebook thing was interesting because I get so frustrated sometimes when I'm searching for something and all I get are like Facebook page links. I'm like, no, I want their actual website. Like I was trying to order food online the other day from a restaurant and I typed in the restaurant name and it gave me like their Facebook page and other restaurants similar to them, their Facebook pages. I was like, I just want their website. Somebody <laughs> so is it's very true. Their <laughs> Yeah, but it's the reason being you don't want to forget to put it there because you can find them through Facebook. So don't miss that opportunity. But yes, that is generally a good inclination that there is some work to be done there for SEO because you absolutely want to be showing up first. Well, and that's what I did is I had to go to their Facebook page and then find their website on their Facebook page and go to it that way. But yeah, it's it's funny how like these are things that we we do in our own day to day lives and we don't always stop to think like oh that means this or, oh, I searched this way. So maybe my audience is searching that way as well. And maybe this is what's happening here. So once it's like that shattered glass kind of idea of like, once it, you have, once you realize it and you start looking for SEO and you start looking at how things are done, you can't not see it everywhere you look. Unfortunately. And I will tell you, yes. working in the field, I'm always like, no, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you missed an opportunity there. And it's just like, I was working with a restaurant client and, you know, the Google My Business, it was the same thing. I'm like, listen, this is a huge missed opportunity. And, you know, that's why we'll discuss this later on. But I, I do have a thing that's p- three steps people can take in less than an hour. One of them is making sure you have your Google My Business profile up and that you post to it, set up something to post to it once, you know, once a month. Like an interior designer could post to project pictures. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. You're basically dinging them that you are updating it. And, you know, they like seeing that things are updated. And that's, you know, we talked about blogging too. The reason people blog attached to their business is because that's another way to get keywords in. Because if you don't have a huge website, blogging is another opportunity you have to introduce new keywords and to constantly be pinging search engines that you are updating your website. So it's not something so, to be put off. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Cause this is a question I get a lot from small business owners. They're like, do I really need to blog? Is blogging dead? And I always say no, because in my opinion, if you can put out valuable content, that's a resource for your audience and it's going to you know, help you get that SEO piece going, then it's, it's worth it. And I get a lot of, I say a lot pushback, but I get some people pushing back. They're like, but I don't want to blog and I don't want to do these things. How important do you feel like it is when it comes to getting your, your visibility on Google to have a blog? I think it's really important personally. And I mean, I'm, I'll say this as being having had a blog for 10 plus years. I think that 
if you don't want to do it yourself, then hire somebody to write it for you. You could hire people write copy all the time for things. You could outsource that. That would be, if you hate doing it, outsource it to someone and maybe do like one a month. You don't have to do it every week, but it can really help the architecture of your site and help you get that ranking. And like you were saying, it's a, you can repurpose these things. So if you're going to do a blog, that's a great resource use it as a collect them all and use them as an opt-in for your mailing list or break them down into little pieces and use them on your social media. Like you can really get a lot of bang for your buck by having somebody write you a good quality blog post. Cause you can repurpose it for other types of content. You can send it to your mailing list in different forms. So I think it's, it's a very worthwhile investment and you don't have to call it a blog. That's the other thing I tell clients. I mean, you could say, in the news or whatever you want to call it. Then yeah. It doesn't necessarily, I think people get put off sometimes where it's like blog, this title, like call it whatever you want, but it's basically a way for you to add more keywords to your website, which is only going to help you if you do it, you know, choose the right keywords. The more pages you have, this is why single page websites are never a good idea. And I, I mean, I was just working with a client a few weeks ago that they're like, well, I don't understand why I'm not showing up on Google. And I was like, well, one of the problems is you have a single page website. It's one of those ones where they have an anchor. So each title in the nav bar just jumps down. If you only have one page that they're indexing, you're missing an opportunity there because the more things you have coming in, the better for you. And that's going to help your ranking. So, I mean, you don't have to do a ton of them, but I definitely would encourage doing it if you're serious about your SEO. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. So I talked a lot about having like one core piece of content that you repurpose into other things. So like if, for example, with me, the podcast, so I have these podcast episodes, I turn them into, you know, social media clips or emails. Um, I will create a, a, a blog for, <laughs> you know, lack of a better term right now, but I'll create a, like a show notes page on my website for the information and the links and all that kind of stuff. 
And I tell people to, even if it's like a YouTube video, you know, repurpose it. So if they have their core content is something that is not written. So it's a video content or an audio content kit to transcribing those and turning them into like a transcript you know, page on your website. Does that help as well? Is that kind of give yep. you that same boost? Okay. Exactly. Cause it's just, it's, it's really another form of a blog. It's a, you're getting those and be strategic. That's the other thing. Podcasters. I'm like, listen, you can put your keywords in there. You're choosing your guests probably based on content that's applicable to your audience. So figure out what those keywords that your podcast listeners would be typing in and use those in headings. You can break up your stuff. So you can kind of manipulate that notes and that episode recap in a way that works for you keyword wise. But yeah, for sure. And if you like doing video, I mean, Google owns YouTube. That's a great place. YouTube is a much smaller playing field because a lot of people don't think about not that many people are creating videos. So anybody can put up a piece of written content that can get indexed. But if you don't, if you like doing video, do video and then embed that video in your blog post and write some stuff. There's a lot of ways you can do that. But yeah, the written words, because the thing is, search engine, the little web crawlers, they don't read images. They can only read text. So that's why the text piece is important. And this is why when you have images on your website, they have alt text because that's another place where you can get keywords because it's not, the bot isn't seeing the image. It's just reading the text that's in the code that's attached to the image. So anytime you can use written words, you can take other kinds of multimedia content and work them where you can add some text is going to benefit you. Okay. So the alt text on the images, because I tell this to photographers and anyone who is a visual brand in general, one of the mistakes I see, for example, is I'll see photographers, they will create, you know, their whole website is around these beautiful photos and these slideshows and these galleries and all their blog content is just like one little sentence and then like 20 images. And I'm always like, okay, I would write more content. However, your images need to have alt text. What needs to go in those alt texts? Is it just keywords? Does it need to be like a description? Like what do you suggest putting in that alt text for those images so that they help to get you indexed? I think that it's good to put a description that does include keywords. And the reason being is that accessibility, I think is important it's for everybody. And when you have somebody who's using a screen reader, they, don't, they can't see the picture. So if you give them a great description, you don't want to just put keywords because that isn't helping them. I mean, then the whole point of alt text is to be able to help people who can't see the image. But that being said, we can say, you know, we can describe the image and still put a keyword in there, which is going to really help us fill both of those buckets. So it doesn't have to be long, but just tell me what's going on in the picture and use your keywords in it. But definitely you want to make sure those are in there. And I mean, I'm also, maybe this is from the consumer side, I don't necessarily just want to look at a whole page of pictures either. I like things broken up a little bit. So I think even if you can put two sentences together and break up groups of pictures, people don't look at things. They kind of get turned off sometimes when there's too much of one thing. So when we can break it up for the brain, then if they're scrolling, they're going to, and we all scroll anyway. So just think about how you could kind of group things together such that it's easier for people to digest when they're scrolling, especially on mobile devices. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I could probably talk to you about this all day long. <laughs> I don't want to overwhelm everybody listening. So I want to just kind of ask like one or two more questions and starting with, if you were helping somebody who was sort of brand new to the idea of SEO, maybe they either have had a business for a while, but have never done anything really with it, or they're starting a brand new business. What would you say are like one or two or a couple of things to do off the bat that are going to be really easy 
They're going to have kind of pack a good punch, but are not going to be overwhelming to start off with. Okay. Number one, like we said, is the Google My Business profile. If you have a physical location, an office anywhere, like, I mean, you can be a photographer that works at home, but you have an office, you should have a Google Google My Business profile. Absolutely. Um, Start thinking about who you're trying to attract and what you want them to do. Because you have to have some sort of framework to start with. And that's why you don't have to flesh everything out, but really think about your target client and what you want to do SEO wise. Like, what do you want them to do once they land on your website? And really kind of from a macro view, think about it that way. So that then once you dive into that strategy, you kind of have an overarching idea of what you want to do. So I would do that. And I would also really make sure my site was mobile friendly, because I think that this is going to be something that Google has already already said that they're prioritizing that moving forward. And everybody's, you know, not everybody, but they're talking about Google Core Web Vitals, which is their latest kind of big overhaul they've done. Everybody's moving towards mobile devices. So Even if your site is responsive, which most WordPress websites are, Squarespace, those things, take a look at your website as a business owner. Pull it up on your phone and look at what it looks like. Because a lot of people are like, we're used to being in front of our computer if we're editing our pictures or doing these things, or if I work B2B, I'm used to being on my desktop. And sometimes you'll look on the phone, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't maybe like the way this looks. Or maybe if I'm on a phone, it wouldn't be necessarily easy for me to use. So take a little inventory and kind of or ask somebody who doesn't know anything about your business. This is another tip you can do is give your phone and say, Hey, what do I do? Who do I do it for? And how do you work with me? That's like such a huge thing because we forget obvious things, which are like, how do I pay you? How do I like, how do I book it? If I'm ready to book you as a photographer, like what do I do next? And if I can't figure that out, that's not a good user experience because it's not intuitive for me. So bring it back to the yeah, I call that the mom test. I'm always like, if I can give this to my mom, granted, she knows what I do, but who is not tech savvy at all. And if she can manage it or figure it out, then I know I'm on the right track. But yeah, I think that's such a good idea is to give not to your spouse or your best friend, but to somebody who isn't super familiar with what you do and maybe isn't the most tech savvy so that you kind of really, um, I don't want to say dumb it down, but you know, they say that like a lot of the best copy is written on what like a fourth or fifth grade level, something like that. And you got to think like, even though your audience are adults, you need to, or pro- you know, probably adults, you need to like lower the level of where you're trying to reach them because you are going to have some people who don't know where to go. They don't know what you want, but they can't read your mind. And we think it makes sense to us. It doesn't always make sense to everybody else. You need to spell things out. And, and, and this is something you need to make it, you need to tell people what to do next. So that's the other thing is there should be a call to action on every page of your website. What do you want people to do? Because they will do it if you tell them, but if they're not sure what they're supposed to do next, you just missed an opportunity. Do you want them to click this button to book, you know, an initial consult with you? Do you want them to sign up for your mailing list, maybe on another page, but don't be shy about telling them. And the less is more. That's the other thing is just web white space is your friend breaking things up is your friend people are so bombarded with things in today's world anyway that i think sometimes people try to shove so much stuff on the website because like, i have all this great stuff i'm like that's fine but if i like have to look eight different directions it's overwhelming so keep it simple when in doubt always keep it simple but i would yeah. say google my business for sure look at your mobile and just start thinking about your customer and how your customer would would find you like we talked about in the beginning how would they yeah. how would they locate you and, that, oh, and then you'll be so on the right good. 
Yeah. And I was taking notes as we were going. There's, like I said, there's so many things that are, that you've talked about that are so great. I know there's a lot more we could get into, but I don't want to overwhelm everybody. So maybe yes. we'll have you back on for like a level two version. Um, <laughs> but I know you mentioned earlier, you have a, a free download for me. So tell mm-hmm. us what that is and how they can find it. That is basically, it's, I'm going to give you the link that you can put in the show notes is three steps that you can take in under an hour to improve your online visibility. And these are things you don't have to have SEO knowledge to do. They're very simple. They're some of the things that we discussed in this episode. And basically I walk you through how you go about doing that. So I think it's a great thing to really, if you're looking to get started, you're not sure where, but you know, you need to do something, then this will help you take the next step. And if you do decide you want to dive in further, um, I do SEO half and virtual, full virtual VIP days where I go in and do the SEO for you. So you don't have to worry awesome. about it. <laughs> awesome. Yes. And I will definitely have that link down in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us today and for all this amazing information. Tell everybody where they can find you or how they can get in touch with you if they want to learn more. I am at seasidedigitaldesign.com. You can email me at jessica at seasidedigitaldesign, or you can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn on the same handle. So those are the two social media platforms where I generally hang out. Perfect. And I'll have all those and links down below as well. So people can easily find you, go follow along with you. And then if they want to work with you, they can reach out to you. And ask me questions. I'm so happy. Like anybody that knows me knows I love small business. I love local businesses. So if you have something that you need a question answered, you know, hit me up and ask me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. And like I said, I would love to have you back on later and do maybe like a part two of all this. Because I think 2.0. 2.0. There's always so much more we can dive into. I just, I don't want to overwhelm my baby yeah. the first time, but thank you so much for all of your tips and advice. I think this was a great start for people to dive into SEO with for sure. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And as always, you can find any links or resources mentioned in today's show down in the show notes. And if we're not friends outside of the podcast yet, then what are you waiting for? Come find me on Instagram at Girl Means Business. Send me a DM letting me know what you thought of today's episode or any of the past episodes you've listened to. You can also take a screenshot of today's episode and post it to your stories tagging at Girl Means Business, and I'll give you a shout out on my page. I love connecting with you and hearing all about your business and can't wait to get to know you more. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will meet you back here next week. Same time, same place.